Well, today I have the privilege of pointing us to the Word of God. We've been in a series that has been very, very, very challenging. Very challenging, very enlightening, very helpful. We've been learning about the kingdom of God. And it's an important topic because what we begin to see is that the kingdom of God, Jesus did not come to establish his kingdom for the purposes of adding to our current lives. Jesus did not come to improve our old way of being, thinking, living, acting, behaving, our old attitudes. No, in fact, he came to completely turn our worlds upside down. He didn't come to add to our lives. He came to give us an entirely new life. And I think that that's so important for us to really consider as we look to the scriptures because oftentimes we try to fit God into our box. We try to fit God into our old way of thinking, our old way of doing things. We, we, we want to improve on the old life, but my friend, the scripture says that we have a new life. The old has passed away. I think we should consider then why are we trying to resurrect dead things? Why are we trying to carry a life that is no longer ours to live? And so one of the primary means by which our Lord ushered in his kingdom is through the church. And I want us to look to, the, to a portion of scripture that's very important. It's pivotal. I guarantee you, my friend, if you will lean into the word of God today, if you will go past my voice, and you will simply consider the truth in the scriptures, it will transform your life. I'm telling you, you will not leave here the same. I'm telling you, your life will get turned upside down and you will finally begin to live on the right side of what up really is. In Matthew 16, verse 18 through 19, the Lord Jesus says, And I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church and the gates, the gates of Hades, the gates of hell will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. I want us to consider that the context for this is that Jesus asks a question. He says, guys, who do you say that I am? Who am I to you? Who am I in your life? And the, apostle, the, the, the apostles who were disciples at that time began to, to think, you know, well, some say that you're the prophet uh, John, you know, reincarnated. Some say you're Elijah. And Peter says, no, 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 you're the Christ. You are the promised Savior. And in response to this, the Lord Jesus says to Peter, Peter, upon this rock, upon this foundation, I will establish my church. And then he says this, and the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. But here's where the rubber meets the road. I read it to you again. He says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And then he declares that as it is in heaven, so it shall be on earth. Why do I share that with you? Because what we see in these words from our Lord Jesus is that it's the initiation and the entrance of the kingdom of God through a people known as the church. The word church here is the Greek word ekklesia. It's a word that's been watered down over the years. 
It's lost its luster. It's lost its, its, its power. It's not that it's lost its power. It's that we've deduced it. We've watered it down. And the word church, ecclesia, is widely misunderstood. It's widely misunderstood because in English we understand church just to be a place that we go. We sing some songs. We do some religious things. We go through some spiritual hula hoops. But the church, my friend, is so much more. The word ecclesia is a governmental term. It is an establishment and introduction of a government. It is a government entity. It is a powerhouse. In the, as an example, I'll just allude to Rome, which was one of the first empires to introduce uh, government in this way. They had what was called the ecclesia. It was the Senate. And the Senate was a body that was placed in power by the king, by the emperor. And the job of the Senate was to take the mind of the emperor, the heart of the emperor, the vision that he had for the empire. And their job was to take his thoughts, to take his desires, to take what the vision he had and to establish it throughout the entire empire to implement his wishes. These were people that operated with power and authority that was delegated to them by the ruling emperor. So my friend, when the scripture says that you are the ecclesia, I need you to understand what the scripture is actually saying to you, church. I need you to understand online what God is saying to you. You are the very means by which Heaven touches earth. You are the tool, the vehicle, the portal, the channel, the hand of God that shows up in homes, in communities, in workplaces, in hurting places, in destitute places. And by, by, by the authority vested in you, you are authorized to bring the kingdom of heaven into the earth, the church. Let me put it to you this way. You have heaven's key. You have heaven's key. You have heaven's key. I'm not giving you my opinion here, ladies and gentlemen. I am proposing to you what the words of Jesus are telling us. And I think it's about time that we begin to shift. That we begin to accept this high call. So here's the thing. If the church is the tool that God intends to usher in the influence of his kingdom on earth, in homes, in your neighborhoods, in your communities, in your family line, amongst your relationships. If that is so, and it is so, if this is the means by which the kingdom of God is established so that people can be close with God and live with an open door to heaven and access to God, the question is, how come so many people are living defeated how come even in the kingdom of god 
in the church of God, amongst the people of God, we live defeated. We live from emergency to emergency, crying from miracle to miracle. And I would submit to you that we have to consider what's actually happening. Do you realize that just in the church alone, the church in the United States, I'm going to reduce it to the church in the United States. Do you realize that from every generation, from Gen Z all the way up to the elderly, that the church in the last 10 years has decreased by 13%? That's millions of people that no longer want anything to do with the church. Do you realize that in that same time frame of 10 years, that there has been an increase in this country of, of over 10% of people in this nation that now identify themselves as either agnostic or straight-up atheist. Do you realize that in this day and age, we live in a nation that is more divided politically, racially, economically, religiously, socially, and in every way? And the question is, why, my friend? Why? Why? And I got to bring it home. I got to bring it home. I got to bring it home. Because if the church is the means by which the kingdom of God is introduced into the world, then what that tells us is that the church has not been opening heaven's door. We have not been using the keys entrusted to us. We have not accepted our identity as the ecclesia in this earth. We're not opening the door for anyone in need of new life in Christ. And so today I'd like to talk to you directly from the heart of God. I want to talk to you on the topic of the church that opens heaven's door. The church that opens heaven's door. And I want you to understand that the church, when I say the church, I'm not talking about an entity. I'm not talking about the church down the street. I'm not talking about a building. I'm not talking strictly about church at the bridge. I am talking about the church as defined by scripture, which is the people of God. The church is in all the earth. The church is in your home. The church is in your workplace. The church is in your marriage. The church is among your children. The church is in your community. The church is in dark places. The church is in great places. Why? Because you are there. The church. The church. And if we're going to use the keys of the kingdom entrusted to us to open heaven's door and usher in lasting change, my friend, we must accept the reality that before we can see people around us change, circumstances change, we, the church, must change. Something has to change. You know, there was a time in the nation of Israel many, many years ago, centuries ago, where the church the people of God, Israel, were in ruin. Morale was down. Immorality was up. 
People that were people of God were serving pagan gods. They were looking to foreign entities. They were following the ways of men. They were void of relationship with God. They, they were seeking after their own. They were divided in every way. And God inspires a man named Nehemiah to rise up and to build a temple. But this wasn't just about a building project. This was about raising up the symbol, raising up a powerful tool where the people of God knew that when they were there, and when they gathered, and when they were gleaning from one another and seeking God, that amazing things happened. And so Nehemiah looks upon the ruins of the walls of the first temple, the one that Solomon had built in all its splendor. It lay in ruins. And he looks upon this temple, and the Lord inspires him to rebuild it. So great a move of God was this, that the emperor of Persia at that time, rises up. Uh, the, the emperor of that nation rises up and he says to Nehemiah, build your temple. A pagan says, build your temple. You guys can worship. Now, the old temple was completely destroyed, so they had to build a new one. And you would think that there was such a move of God that the people of God were excited and in one accord, united at what God was doing, this new thing that they would embrace this change, that they would embrace this new thing that God wanted to do. But let me show you from the book of Ezra what their response was. Ezra 3, starting at verse 10, says that when the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, this is the second temple, the priests in their vestments and with trumpets and the Levites, the sons of Asaph with cymbals, they took their places to praise the Lord as prescribed by David, king of Israel. And with praise and thanksgiving, they sang to the Lord. He is good. His love toward Israel endures forever. There's a shift happening here. There's a change. There's an excitement. There's a renewal that's uprising in the body. And it says, and all the people gave a great shout of praise to the Lord. Let's practice that for a moment. Give a great shout of praise to the Lord. All right, so that's kind of what it sounded like. It's kind of what it sounded like, right? I think it might have been even better than that, but you guys did a great job, right? Now watch this. And all the people gave a great shout of praise to the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. But many of the other priests and Levites and family heads who had seen the former temple, they wept aloud. When they saw the foundation of this temple being laid, while many others shouted for joy, no one could distinguish the sound of the shouts of joy from the sound of weeping because the people made so much, listen closely, noise. And the sound was heard far away. What's going on here? What's going on here? God is doing a new thing. There's the establishment of a new temple, a new foundation is being built. And I want to bring this to modern day terms. The church of old is crying because we can't do it the way we used to do. We can't sing the songs we used to sing. 
I mean, for crying out loud, look at the pastor. He's wearing a jacket with sneakers. What is this? The church is actually going out into the community on a night where everybody is celebrating something so wicked. Last time I checked, light is for dark places. And then there's this, there's this generation rising up among the people of Israel that are celebrating because they're saying, God, you are reestablishing the means by which you touch us. You're restoring the place of praise, of worship, where we gathered. You're doing a new thing. And the people of God were divided because there were those that were longing after the old and saying, this is not good. This is not good enough. It doesn't match up to how I grew up, to what I've been told, to how we've always done it. And what's interesting is this, that so divided were the people of God in that day that while some were shouting and praising God and declaring his goodness and others were crying and lamenting and moaning and groaning, it all sounded like noise to the world. It brought confusion. My friends, I'm here to tell you that God is never into doing the old. God is a God that declares, and we're going to look at this in a, in a bit, I am doing a new thing. Hallelujah. Will you not perceive it? Will you not behold it? Will you not go where I'm taking you? No wonder, no wonder, no wonder that there are more and more people that say, I want nothing to do with the church. Can I tell you, as a pastor, I can't speak for everyone else, but I will bite that bullet and say the church has to do better. Lord, forgive us for putting out noise. See, if we, the church, are to aspire to bring hope to the world and lead people far from God, to be near to him, to be in relationship with God, we cannot be the church that cries for the old while resisting efforts to impact people in new ways. We cannot be the church that condemns their sinner in hopes that they'll aspire to be saints. <laughs> we cannot be the church here in the United States that claims we are one, but then divides itself because we hyphenate our identity. Let me talk about it for a moment. I don't see anywhere in scripture where it says Caucasian American Christian, African American Christian, Latino American Christian. It's not in the Bible. We are one body made up of many parts under one spirit for one purpose. 
And the moment we hyphenate our identity, it's idolatry. Because we have marred the very image of God. Church, it's time we wake up and we operate as one in solidarity under the name of Jesus Christ for the kingdom of God. We can't dumb ourselves down to red or blue or some other political affiliation that takes light off of Christ. See, a changed world starts with a change in the church. Church, it's time for change. It's time for change. It's time for change. I'm not talking about changing the message of the gospel. We will never do that. We stay true to our tenets of faith. We stand for what the gospel stands for. I'm not talking about changing based on the moment what the church is. That's not what I'm talking about. Because you see, the moment we're in does not change the mission we are on. It does not change it. We must be willing to embrace the change, and we must be willing to own where we've gone wrong in order to make changes so that we can introduce others to the life-changing power of Jesus Christ. So for the next couple of moments that I have here, I want to just propose to you some things. Look, I, I, I guarantee you there is so much to say about this. And in light of everything that the scriptures reveal, I can only give you but so much today. So please forgive me if there's some things that I may not touch on. But I want you to just hear what I feel the Lord inspired me to share, which I think covers many areas, but requires for us to dig in personally if we are to truly see heaven doors, heaven's door open, not just through us, the church, but in our own lives. The first point that I want to give you for application and reflection is that we must stop treating the second temple as second best. Hear where I'm coming from. We must stop treating the second temple as second best. God was doing a new thing there. The nation of Israel was coming together as one. People were turning back to God. And it's sad to say that even in the church today, there are some that are still crying because of that. We long after tradition. We long after the ways in which we grew up. And here's the thing. The Bible says that it is the traditions of men that make the gospel, the word, void. I can't speak for any other house, but I will tell you in this house, we will do everything that the Lord calls us to do. We will dare to do it differently. We will dare to reach people where they are. We will dare to go to places that nobody else wants to go. We will dare. We've been doing it and we will continue to do it. And I'm going to tell you this, we don't do it for accolades. We don't do it for recognition. 
We don't do it to be known. We raise up the name of Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ only. So we have a new temple. But my friend, how we treat and represent Christ, his church, and even the present moment that we have in this world today, that determines if God's kingdom has influence in this earth. Hear where I'm coming from with this. How are you treating the things of God? You, do you treat them as if they are first class or second class? How do you treat the word of God as first class or second class? How do you treat the church as first class or second class? How do you treat people that God puts you in their path as first class or second class? How do you treat the promises of God as first class or second class? How do you treat what God is teaching you, what God is showing you, the people that God is bringing among you in the body of Christ, do you treat them as first class or second class? How do you treat the message of the gospel as first class or second class? Let me get real up close and personal. How do you treat church at the bridge as first class or second class? Let me get a little bit even more close and personal. How do you treat your neighbor sitting right next to you as first class or second class? Did you even, did you even say good morning? Did you dare to introduce yourself by name? We can't treat the second temple as second class. Can't do that can't do that you know the scripture records a church that excelled at everything that the church was supposed to be doing it's the church of Ephesus these people were commended by Jesus Christ himself as being a church that was faithful hard-working persevering and uncompromising with the gospel it would appear that they did everything right but then Jesus says this in Revelations 3, verses 4 and 5 to them. He says, yet I hold this against you. I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you've fallen. Repent. Repent. Church. Listen to the word of God. Repent. And do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, if you do not turn around, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from where it's, from its place. The church of Ephesus shifted from doing it for, out of a love for Jesus to obligation to Jesus. You know where things begin to go sour? When we begin to treat God and everything pertaining to God as second best? You know when that begins to happen? When serving Christ, following Christ, 
doing what's right. Living according to the word is done out of obligation instead of because we truly love him. My friend, here's a good opportunity to be honest with God. Not to shout yourself out. To be honest. Am I doing this? Am I following Jesus out of obligation or love? See, if we follow out of obligation, the truth is that we're not even cracking heaven's door open. Why? We're not bringing light to the world. Why? Because there's no love for God in us. Notice what Jesus says in Revelation chapter 3, verse 5. He says, if you do not repent, I will remove your lamp from its place. You know why? Because there's no light to shine there. It's empty service. That should challenge us. But hey, let me tell you, let me tell you the flip side to that. That's also very good news. That is great news. Because whom you love, you care enough to point out the truth. And if the shoe fits today, you've heard me say it, please don't wear it. Change it. Let's turn around. We got to repent if that's where we are. We need to get back to the right heart. Back to the right heart. We need to evaluate our motives for why we follow Jesus. The second point I want to leave you with here today for reflection and application is that we cannot afford to speak the truth at the expense of being fake with each other. Let me say that again. We cannot afford to speak the truth at the, at the expense of being fake with each other. Isn't that good news? Come on and give God some praise. Listen, I know how that really rubs the wrong way. I know it rubs the wrong way, but let me give you scriptural context for this. You know, the truth is we're living in a, in a, in, in a day and an age and a time where everyone is connected. Think about it. Advances in technology through television, through internet, through social media, through telephones, through virtual meeting rooms, and so many other mediums have facilitated the opportunity for us to be connected to one another more than ever at lightning fast speed. But what's interesting is that statistics prove, they prove that now more than ever at a time where people are most connected to people, to information, to, uh, to what is going on in the, in, the, in the instance it happens, that people actually feel the most disconnected. And I tell you why I want to point your attention to that. Because the same is true in the church. At a time when we are most connected, we are disconnected. And we have to wonder, why? Why is that? Why? Why? Why is this happening? Let me point you to the scriptures for an answer. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 11 and 12, the Apostle Paul is writing to the church of Corinth. It's a message that still holds true to this day. He says, we have spoken freely to you. 
We've spoken freely to you, Corinthians. We've spoken freely to you, church. We've withheld nothing from you is what he's saying. We've given it all to you. We've given you the truth. We've pointed you to Jesus. We haven't mixed this message. We haven't held back. We haven't compromised. We've given it to you all freely, he says. And opened wide our hearts to you. We are not withholding our affection from you. But you are withholding yours from us. Listen to verse 13. He says, as a fair exchange, I speak as to my children. Open wide your hearts also. Open wide your hearts also. Listen closely. The word here, open wide your heart. Open your heart. In the Greek, alludes to enlarging the heart, the place of belief, the place of affection, the place of intimacy. To enlarge the heart, to make room for the embrace of love. Church, we've grown comfortable with speaking the truth while not being vulnerable with one another about the truth in our lives. How you doing? Blessed and highly favored. How you holding up? I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm too blessed to be stressed. Oh, everything is just fine and dandy. I am the head and not the tail. I'm above only, never beneath. You know, past how you tell us. It is well, it is well, it is well with my soul. Meanwhile, we're withholding the truth. Now, let me give you scriptural reference for what I'm saying here. Let me point you to the word of God because I can't speak for anyone else, but I, Pastor Jose, here at Church of the Bridge, we will not give you something from the scriptures without the scripture to certify it. The word of God is sufficient in and of itself to speak for itself. I don't have to add to it. Listen to what the scripture says in James 5.16. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Let's leave that scripture up for a moment. Wait, pastor, that's not talking about what you're talking about. That's talking about sin. You know what's interesting about that word sin there? The word sin there in the Greek speaks of fault or a time when we divert from the truth. It's not talking about becoming a sinner. It doesn't even specifically refer to a time where we do something that is outright sinful. It's talking about we know what the truth is and yet we deviate from it or we take a detour from it or we mix it 
diversion from the truth. This is different from 1 John 1, 9, which I know some of you are quoting in your head right now. Oh, but if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to, uh, to, to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You don't even realize that that's talking to an unbeliever. Don't have time to get into that. Just read the first eight verses before that, and you'll see that he's talking to a people that were agnostic. He's inviting them into fellowship. So this is different. This is not talking about sinfulness where we are fallen from God. This is talking about a believer who deviates from what is right and true and transparent. Now get this. What's my point with that? My point with that is this, is that the church that speaks truthfully, that declares the truth and stands on this gospel is also transparent with each other. Why? Because it understands that vulnerability is not a weakness. Vulnerability is the path to healing. Let me show it to you. Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be what? Healed. Now we get all excited about all oh, the of the righteous man accomplishes much but look at the context for that verse look at the context for that promise when we're honest with each other and we say you know this is where I'm really at sister this is what's really happening in my life this is what I'm really going through the scripture says that then when you pray then the prayer of the righteous accomplishes much. And healing in the body is accomplished. Can I just put it to you plainly? It's time we get real. Oh, but I don't want to confess that. I don't want to confess that. I don't want to confess that. The power of life and death is in the tongue. Question, what's the power in the tongue? The Bible says... That if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus, then we shall be saved. What I want you to see is that confession is directly tied to belief in the heart. We got to be honest. We got to be truthful. And here's why this is so important. John 13, the Lord Jesus says this, a new command I give to you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must also love one another. Watch this. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. If you have love for one another. Amen. I like what Pastor Annette said during announcements. She said, if we don't know what's happening, we can't be there for you as the body. It's time we get real honest. That needs to change, church. That needs to change. We need to stop fluffing this. No wonder the message of the gospel doesn't come across as truth. It's because we're operating in lies. Wow. I'm just, I'm just telling you, man. The new foundation has been laid. The kingdom of God is at hand. 
And it's time that the church get with the kingdom. Here in this house, we operate according to the kingdom. That's just it. That's how we're doing things. Last point I want to leave you with here is that if we're not missional, we're missing it. If we're not missional, we're missing it. Isaiah 58, 11 through 12 says, The Lord will guide you how, how often? Always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Most people stop there and they go, Yes, bless me, God. That's not the mission. Verse 12, your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will rise up and will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called repairers of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. My friend, the church is not passive. It is not slack, it is not stagnant, it is not a spectator. It is not a receptacle for receiving. The church of Christ is active, it remains occupied, it overflows wherever it goes. It is a participator, it is a giver because it understands the mission. We are builders, we are restorers. We go when nobody else wants to. And so I want you to stand with me today. If you didn't get an opportunity to get one of these for your household, if you didn't get an opportunity to grab one of these for your household when you walked in, I want you to make sure you leave with one today. I want you to make sure you leave with one today. But I want to read this to you. Because this is a commitment that we are making here at Church at the Bridge. It's a commitment because we understand that we're called to be the church. We're going to put it up on the screen as well. If you have one, make sure you get one of these. It's just a little magnet. Put it on your refrigerator. Put it in your car. Put it wherever you need to. May it serve as a reminder. We commit to seizing every opportunity. Can we do something different? If you feel, if you believe with all your heart that you are the church, then would you declare this with me this morning? Can we do that together? Ready? Here we go. We commit to seizing every opportunity to be builders of the house of God for people in need of God. We commit to loving one another in community by opening our hearts to one another so we can see healing among all. We commit to living on purpose with the mission of God to reach the lost, restore the broken, and build the church so that those near and far from God can know Him. We commit to serving with honor, giving with excessive generosity, and loving people to life with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's say this together. We are the church. The church. The church. The church. 
we open heaven's door wherever we go. Would you be a change maker from this day forward? Would you openly declare the healing of God? Would you take a stand for what is true and godly? Would you be a light and an example in your workplace? Will you make whatever changes are necessary so that God would be glorified? Will you be the church? I'm telling you, church at the bridge, I don't know all the details, but God is taking us in a new direction. I'd like to think that we've never quite played church here. I think we've done that a little differently. But I will admit this, we don't have it all together. But we're willing to go where God has taken us. Let's remain united in mission and vision and purpose. Let's be the church. Father, today we come to you in the precious and mighty name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, because we understand that you have bestowed upon us a great privilege. Lord, despite imperfections, despite challenges, despite areas where we still drop the ball, despite the fact that we've resisted being vulnerable and true with one another, Lord, you still call us the church. You still invite us to use the keys that open heaven's door to be the means by which heaven meets earth and the broken are healed, the dead things are raised, and where there's darkness, light has come. Use us, Lord. Father, enlighten us, remind us to the truth of what it means to be your church, your ecclesia, a people authorized to bring the kingdom of God, to bring solutions, to bring peace. Lord, even in this city in Newburgh, Lord, Lord, babies are dying. Families are waking up, finding an empty space in their home. Families are disintegrating, Lord. Children growing up without parents, without direction, failed systems, failed leaders, failed churches. Lord, heal our hearts. Heal our land. Help us see. Because we commit that we are the church. We will not treat your temple as second best, Lord. No, Lord. We will honor you, Father. We will do what it takes. We will go where we need to go. We will not wait for somebody to tell us to do it. I'm telling you right now, there are some of you here right now that you know what God has commissioned you to do. You see it as small, you see it as insignificant, you got your own excuses as to why.
No, God says be the church. Make whatever sacrifices you need to make, but be the church. Let me touch earth. Let me bring heaven down. Forgive us, Lord. And thank you for enlightening us to the truth. It's very possible there's someone here today, maybe you're online and you've, man, you've, you've had your own ideas, you know, you've had your own misgivings about the church. Listen, I don't blame you. I get it. I've been there. But I would say to you, my friend, that the church is not the people who hurt you. The church is not having your mouth. The church is not made up. It's not the sum total of a few people's failures. I'm telling you, my friend, the church is here. Reaching out to you right now. Telling you that God has not forgotten you. God has not left you. God has authorized you to be the very tool that he uses to receive his love and his grace and his power and the change that he wants to bring into your life, but also to change the circumstances around you. If you believe that God is speaking to you today, that he's calling you back home, that he's calling you into a home that you've never known, Today's the day to make that decision. The scripture says that the reason why God gave his son was because of love. Love for the whole world. He gave himself as a sacrifice for sin, not to forgive simply sin. No, he actually did it for something so much more. He did it so that we could be in relationship with him, but that we could also rise up to a new life. A life that gives us purpose. A life that gives us a new destiny. A life that transforms us from the inside out. My friend, if you believe that God is speaking to you today, if you're in this house or you're online, I would encourage you, do this with us. Raise your hand to heaven. Reach out to God. Turn to God. Because you've been turning to this world, and this world has let you down again and again and again. Today, if you accept Christ with us, let's pray this together. If you're online, we want to know that you made that decision. If you're here in the house, leave your hand up. We want to know who you are. We want to walk alongside you. Declare this with us. Say, Jesus, I believe. You are the Son of God. I believe you love me so much that you paid the price for my sin. And you rose from the dead to prove that you're God. And to prove that I can rise to a new life. Today I confess, you are my Lord, you are my Savior, you are my God. And from this day forward, I thank you for a brand new life. Hey everybody, thank you so much for joining us here at Church of the Bridge today. I pray that you had a personal encounter with God, that he spoke to you powerfully, and that he met you at your place of need with this message. I also want to encourage you to go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube page. By doing so, you'll be able to check out past messages, uh, past events that we've done. You'll also be able to see what's happening now and those things that are to come. And lastly, I'd like to invite you to join with us in all that God is doing with your giving. Feel free to do so on our website. Again, thank you again for joining us, and I can't wait to connect with you next week.